The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today on episode 24, we have Ron Childers of Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. Ron is the guest service manager of Pacific Garden Mission. Ron, welcome to Master's Crib. Hey, well, Jason, I thank you for having us, and it's our pleasure to be here with you uh, well, this evening. Really excited about it. So, what exactly does Pacific Garden Missions do? I know that I know that there's so much. You go to the website, and there's so much. But how do you <laughs> narrow that down? What do you guys do? Well. Primarily what we do is share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but um, how we like to do that is what, what kind of sets us apart uh, from other organizations. We pretty much opened our doors uh, as our founder uh, started uh, in 1877. We've been doing the same thing, just opening our doors up to the homeless population here in the Chicagoland area and other surrounding areas. And we basically just give them a place to uh, find security, shelter, uh, food, clothing, um, and definitely uh, being able to hear the gospel. So we pretty much just try to be the hands and feet of Christ. Our mission here at the, at the Pacific Garden Mission is uh, to serve with the compassion of Christ and minister with the transforming message of the gospel. So, mm. so that's primarily what we do, just taking care of our homeless population and those uh, who have no other place to turn. Now, how long have you been with uh, Pacific Garden Mission? Well, I've been affiliated with the mission since 2011, okay. um, but I've been on staff here as the guest services manager uh, since 2015, July of 2015. So what made you want to do what you're doing now? Man, that's uh, I can take up the rest of the program trying to answer that question, <laughs> but just to give you the short version is that um, I was uh, one of the people that we helped. I actually came into the mission as a homeless uh, individual, and um, during a process, uh, God just uh, changed my heart through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and once that happened, you know, it was a done deal. I had to uh, serve those that were coming in like I had once came in. Wow, that is is amazing. So now being on, on this side and being able to minister to all these guys. I know you said the mission of Pacific Garden Mission is, is to get the gospel out there, but you, at the end of the day, Ron, I mean, you're, you're busy doing this and that. You have all kinds of things going on. By the time you lay down in whatever time of night it is, what yeah. do you hope and pray was accomplished that day? Well, uh, that's, that's kind of easy. I, uh, I hope and pray that somebody uh, received uh, hope, uh, more so that somebody had uh, accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But um, that sometimes that could be a process, you know. And um, so basically, when I leave uh, my office and I get home, I just pray that someone has come out of darkness, the situations that they come in, come from, uh, and was able to see some hope, able to see that there's a possibility that things can be different 
than the way they're living now. So if somebody uh, saw a glimmer of hope uh, throughout the day, that uh, that warms my heart and put a smile on my face. A smile on my face. That is awesome. So when someone comes in, uh, uh-huh. I'm assuming there's some sort of process they have to go through. But um, at, at what point are they just uh, you know in with the crowd? And at what point are, are Bible studies or, or preaching going on? Like how long does it take from the point I walk in the door until the point I'm being ministered to? Well, uh, just real quick, from the time that you walk in the door, but right now because of uh, you know the pandemic, uh, we have we have we have instituted uh, several uh, processes and procedures to be able to make sure that everybody is safe, everybody is healthy. So you come in the door, you have to be screened. That's uh, taking your temperature. Um, uh, you have to answer a barrage of uh, questions. Once once you get through that initial screening, you'll meet with somebody from my team. I'm the guest services manager. I have about a team of 20 individuals that uh, work with me. And uh, so you'll come in, you'll do a, uh, uh, a intake. The intake process can take anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes where we ask you uh, several questions to just to get a, um, a baseline of what it is that you need, uh, where you come from, what brought you here, how can we help. Uh, once you go through that interview process, we print out identification cards for everyone that resides within our facility. Uh, so the whole process of that takes about 25 to 30 minutes. And then after that, um, an individual uh, enter into our, we have three staple programs that the, uh, the TRP, which is a transient resident program, will help uh, any of our homeless uh, men or women that's coming into the building, also children. Uh, we can help you find uh, suitable long-term housing. We can help you with uh, job placement and training. That's the uh, transient resident program. It's a 30-day uh, transitional sh- uh, emergency shelter program. From there, we have our uh, new day uh, substance abuse recovery program. All of our programs are biblically based. So the new day program are for those that's struggling with uh, alcohol or substance abuse. It's a 90-day residential um, treatment program. Uh, and from there, an individual can go into our uh, one-year New Life Discipleship Program. In that program, it's an intense study of God's Word mm. to get a sense of what God has for your life. So individuals that's on that program reside with us for a year. It's also a residential program, an intense Bible study, um, where at the completion of that program, uh, individual receives uh, a diploma of biblical studies. We have an actual graduation with cap and gown. Wow. And uh, throughout that whole process, whether you're in the transient resident program, our New Day Substance Abuse Recovery Program, or our, our New Life Discipleship Program, you're hearing the gospel uh, throughout the day. We preach the gospel at least uh, four times per day. We have Bible studies and gospel services at least four times per day. And uh, so no matter what program you're in, you're going to hear the gospel. Wow. That is so awesome, and I'm so glad that everyone can hear. I mean, because there are a lot of missions out there that they're doing all of these, you know, wonderful humanitarian efforts. And mm-hmm. here's a couple of verses too. But it sounds like this is pretty intense. I mean, you, you guys are really getting the word to these people that need help, right? Absolutely, um, and it comes back from um, our founder in 1877, uh, Sarah Dunn Clark, who is uh, the founder of the mission. Uh, she was cleaning her home one day. Uh, getting ready for a dinner party, and she writes that while she was uh, decorating her home, she heard what sounded like to her an audible voice asking her, what are you doing to prepare your heavenly home? Mm -hmm. So when that happened, she went out into the streets and started inviting people into her house to give them a warm meal, to give them a change of clothes, and just to take care of them. 
and that was in 1877. And from there, uh, 143 years later, uh, our primary goal is to share the gospel and then invite people into our home to take care of them just like our founder did. So the, the gospel is, uh, uh, is the, the, the pinnacle of what we do. And I think it's what sustained us uh, these 143 years. Our doors have never been closed in 143 years, and we think that it's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. Praise God. I, I'm, I'm super stoked about hearing all this. So let's take a couple minutes, you and I, and tear into God's word. We are going to look for just a few minutes at Colossians, a serious authority passage. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. I'd just like to read it. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So according to this passage, Ron, what are the limits of Christ's authority? Amen. Well, from what I see, uh, there's really uh, no limits uh, Mm. to Christ's authority. And I think this is what um, Paul is trying to get the church at uh, Colossus to see that um, Christ is everything and um, there's really no limit uh, to his authority. So that's what I get from that. Uh, He's trying to show um, to those in Colossus because it's made up of... uh, uh, Jews, it's made up of Gentiles, and there's a, uh, a rampant um, belief going around that um, spiritual things and uh, cosmology and uh, mm. things like that were what uh, you had to seek in order to find fulfillment. And, uh, fulfillment. and, and Paul is trying to get uh, those around that area to, to understand that, yeah, you can look for all those things, but what you really need to understand is that everything comes together in Christ and he is the beginning of, of everything and he's the one that's going to sustain us. So in that sense, uh, in every sense, there's no limit to Christ's authority. And, uh, and Paul is just trying to uh, get the truth out in the midst of all the false teachers that were around at that time. Well, that is awesome. So when we read this part of this passage that says, in him all things hold together, what exactly does that mean? Well, I think um, what that means is uh, Christ's role at the beginning. If you look in verse uh, 15 to 16, it tells us about he's the firstborn of all creation. Uh, In him, all things were created. And then uh, verse 17, he goes on to say he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. But we see in verse 18, he's saying that uh, he's the head of the church. So what I think Paul is trying to get uh, the Colossian Christians to see is that uh, whatever you do, whatever we do, um, Christ needs to be at the beginning of that because uh, he is presently uh, holding everything together. And it was interesting, uh, as I was studying this passage, um, it brought to mind, uh, some of you may have heard of Peter uh, Higgs, and he was a scientist that worked with about five other scientists to come up with what was called the Higgs uh, bosom uh, particle. And basically, what they did, they had a theory that uh, mass 
if you look at the element of mass, something was holding it together. So they, uh, I'm sorry, they um, deduced theoretically that it was the Higgs boson uh, particle that held it together. But the interesting thing about that is that uh, with all their scientific experiments and everything that they uh, tried to discern, they couldn't see this particular particle. So they just named it the Higgs boson, saying that uh, even though we can't see it, something has to be holding mass together. And I think what Paul is telling us here in this particular passage that no, it's not a Higgs boson particle or anything like that. Uh, Christ is what keeps everything together. Without wow. Christ, everything will fall apart. And from cosmology, we know that the worlds were created, but the Bible tells us that um, it was created to sustain uh, life. And uh, so in this sense, Paul is telling the Colossian church that, nah, it's Christ that's holding everything together. So that's what I think it means. Wow. It's, we, we have such a, such a small view in the West of, of Christ. And it's passages like this that really, really show you just a little bit more of the glory, a little bit more of this, this gigantic scope of his authority. So that's awesome. And, and the typical view of Christ's authority is that it's over the church, right? I mean, that's what people usually see. But here it says that he's also the head of the church. So are we to understand from that that uh, his authority is not just limited to the church? Absolutely. His authority is definitely not limited to the church. And just um, a little bit back to what I was saying before, verse 15 and 16, if you look at those two verses, it tells us about who Christ is in the beginning. But mm -hmm. then you get to verse 17, Paul seems to uh, change uh, what he's saying. He's starting to tell us now in, in verse 18, I mean, he starts to tell us that he is also the head of the church. So what Paul is saying in verses 15 through 17, he's saying not only is Christ uh, there from the beginning, he's the sustainer of everything, but also uh, he's the head of the church. So absolutely, we ought to understand that his authority is not just limited to the church. Paul is telling that that he's over uh, government. Uh, and we can see that in Romans. If you go to Romans 13, look at the first a uh, few verses that tell you that uh, he's over government, he uh, ordained government, mm. and um, that. And then verse 18, if you look at the last part of verse 18, it says, uh, well, just to read verse 18, it says, he is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself, and listen to what it says, he himself will come to have first place mm. in everything, not just some things, but in everything. So not only is he from the beginning, he's also the head of the church, but in the fulfillment of time, he's going to be over everything. So yeah, he has absolute authority. So just piggybacking off from that, what does that mean for Christ to have first place in everything, like specifically? Yeah, well, theoretically uh, or theologically, it means that uh, God's plan for redemption will culminate in the creation being rightly placed under the rule of Christ. So that's what we're talking about uh, theologically. But as you ask, what does that mean practically? Well, for me, uh, this really, uh, through the Holy Spirit, God gave this to me a few years ago when I was uh, coming to know Christ as my Lord and Savior, is that uh, maybe you've heard this phrase, it's like having a God uh, conscience. Mm. Uh, so what that means for me is that everything I do, my daily interactions, because you asked me uh, practically what that looks like, 
my daily interactions, what I do at work, how I relate to people, how I care for my family, what I do for my church, even my thought processes. I have to filter all of those things through how would it affect Christ? What I do right now, is Christ going to be happy with that or is he going to be displeased? Me talking to you today, uh, the things that I say to you today, is Christ going to be happy with it or is he going to be displeased? When I go home to my family after this, how I treat my family, is Christ going to be happy with that or is he going to be displeased? As I serve the men and women that come into our building, is Christ going to be happy with that or, he, or is he going to be displeased? When a bill collector calls me, how I interact with them, not that I'm going to be preaching to everybody, but are my thoughts, my actions, my walk, the decisions I make, how is that going to affect my relationship with Christ? So when we ask he's the first, he has first place in everything, to me it's like having a God conscience. Everything I do, I filter it through how is God going to look at this? And it's not like I'm walking around every day like, uh, is God watching me or anything like that? No, it's more like what uh, Paul says about walking in the spirit or what he also says about uh, praying without ceasing. It's about having a relationship. Mm -hmm. So just like my relationship with my wife, she's not here with me right now, but the things I do, I want to make sure that I'm pleasing and representing her. So it's like the relationship I have with Christ, even though uh, I don't see him as a taskmaster uh, waiting on me to uh, mess up or point his finger at me saying, look at what you're doing. Nah, I want to make sure that uh, my actions uh, honors the relationship I have with Christ. So that's what I'm, that's what I think it means that he has first place in everything we do. Oh, that is so beautiful. If we, if the church could just grab a hold of that message, that God conscience message, and just rely heavily upon that, just those thoughts, you know, literally, mm -hmm. is Christ happy with what I'm doing right now? Just imagine the conflict that would be done. I mean, we have within the church today, political and we have all of these different arguments that are taking place i mean even there's some theological arguments that are taking place and no one's really asking like you know do these things honor god do our efforts honor god we're just asking god to honor our efforts you know make people see things the way i see them you know i definitely agree with that and uh you're absolutely right with that i can definitely concur so thinking about what's currently going on around us which there is a lot to pick and choose from yeah where do you see in our current culture this passage and, and what we were just talking about with the God conscience specifically needing to be applied? Well, it's, um, it's basically uh, like what you're saying. You know, we see uh, cultural turmoil uh, today. We see uh, an increase in things like uh, natural uh, disasters. Uh, you know, we see these, uh, like even in the news today, you got a... Uh, two um, storms that's converging on the, uh, the Gulf Coast right now at the same time. And mm. we see fires raging in uh, uh, California. And then we, you know, hear about wars. And as the Bible say, uh, rumors of wars. Mm. And then you hear about uh, plagues. Look at, look at what's going on with this coronavirus. And, uh, you know, so all of these things, you know, government against government, nation against nation, uh, black against white, uh, male against female. We just see all of this turmoil happening. And me, you know, being a Christian, I can only, you know, sit back and think, is it because we're not giving Christ his rightful place uh, in everything, like what you was just talking about? And not saying that um, our nation or government right now should be a theocracy. You know, uh, that's not the case. I mean, um, our government doesn't 
uh, get direction directly from God, like the church, uh, the early church, or like the uh, people of Israel uh, did. So no, I'm not saying it's supposed to be a uh, theocracy or anything like that. But what I do believe is that in our society today, we should make room for, uh, you know, belief in Jesus and, and belief in God. And it seems like our culture today is trying to put not only put Jesus and God out of the schools and out of uh, government buildings and, and even some places like you kind of alluded to some, some places, even out of the church, they're trying to put Jesus out of the church mm. and uh, becoming more seeker friendly and things like that. And uh, Jason, I just think, you know, the more and more culture gets away from God, who is our creator, then you start to see all these turmoils and things, uh, starting to take place so you asked for one place that i think that uh we could start to make a difference is if um our political leaders our uh governmental leaders um you know make place for uh views and uh positions that are god honoring and not mm. just uh you know try to attack uh people that's coming with maybe a view that may be a little different from theirs you know uh, uh make way for um you know biblical uh spiritual uh, viewpoints, and I think that that would happen rather than being combative toward things of God. I'm not saying that you know um, they have to follow the Bible or anything like that, which I do uh, propose. But you know, just don't um, neglect uh, the spiritual aspect of who we are a- as people and mm. as a nation. Wow, that's amazing. So now you're out in Chicago. I mean. Yeah. You know, there's there's all kinds of stuff happening all around there, and I mean, it's it's happening everywhere. You know, so do you see our current culture as being friendly to the idea of authority in general? Well, unfortunately, um, well, there's 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 two ways you can look at that. Okay. Um, especially here in Chicago, I know uh, you hear about uh, some of the violence that's taking place here, and we've had uh, the riots, and we've had uh, looting. And, uh, and it's not just, not just a one-ended scale. We're seeing uh, even some of our authority figures uh, step out of line. And, and we've also seen some of them uh, uh, break uh, 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 laws, uh, uh, laws that they're supposed to be upholding. So it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is um, that we as human beings, we are selfish mm-hmm. uh, by nature. So to answer your question, uh, I believe I see our culture being friendly uh, towards authority when it benefits us. Wow. Uh, you know, me uh, specifically. And being unfriendly uh, when it's not uh, benefiting uh, me. So I, I think uh, selfishness is, uh, is pervasive, uh, not just uh, in our government, uh, but in our, our interactions uh, with each other. And I think it, it's a direct uh, result of uh, Adam's uh, sin. I look at everything from a spiritual a viewpoint. So I think that uh, selfishness and meism, you know, what's in it for me mm. is uh, is kind of affecting what's going on uh, with uh, our, our challenges with authority figures. So, so yeah, to answer your question, if it's uh, if if it's beneficial for me, then yeah, I'm okay with authority. But if it's not beneficial to me, then I'm not okay uh, with authority. And that could be from uh, from either spectrum. That could be from the man on the street to uh, the man in the halls of Congress. You know, yeah. it's all about me. And I think that uh, when we live that way, we only uh, 
you know, invite uh, turmoil and chaos and some of the things that we see happening in culture. Wow. So now I'm not specific. I mean, I know there's a ton of a ton of awesome gospel focused programs that are happening. So I'm not just talking about PGM. I'm talking about the church at large. How good of a job do you think that we're doing at teaching this, at teaching biblical authority in its different jurisdictions, its different spheres? Yeah, I understand that. And I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's easy um, for me to uh, point a finger at the church. You know, that's always uh, like a knee jerk uh, reaction to point the blame on on others. But as far as the church go, I think the church uh, historically has been uh, doing a good job. You know, um, like uh, I watch the news a lot and I see things that go on even when you see natural disasters or you see wars or even you see uh, what happened with Beirut. Uh, I was watching a a news program and um, uh, one of the guys that were being interviewed, he was saying he was surprised or overjoyed that uh, the church was one of the uh, first, if not the first, a group that came out to start handing out food to those that were going hungry, to start inviting um, those who had lost homes uh, into their homes and into their church uh, buildings. So I, I really want to highlight the fact that the church has been doing uh, a good job historically. But however, I do think that the church has a lot more that we could be doing. Um, we see uh, uh, the uh, increase of uh, mega churches, and not to knock uh, mega churches or anything like that, but we see people kind of being kind of gravitating toward uh, some of these uh, superstar uh, pastors or or theologians, and churches are becoming more about putting on a show, and uh, and not not all churches, just some churches. But the reason I mentioned that because those are the ones that you see in the news; those are the ones that are making headlines. But um, the the small uh, local churches who are uh, on the streets every day trying to help, you don't see that. So in that sense, the church is doing a good job, but I do think uh, the church has a long way to go because uh, I'm in school right now uh, pursuing my master's, and uh, it seems like the church is uh, leaving a lot uh, of the work that needs to be done, and the church, it seems like they're giving it over to the seminaries and the professors to be doing a lot of the things that I think the pastor's and some of the leaders in the churches need to be doing. We need to be think, uh, teaching uh, things like systematic theology, uh, church doctrine, um, biblical theology, things like that in our churches that will help us to address some of the things that's going on in culture. But it seems like we're kind of uh, relegating those things to some of our uh, seminaries and uh, Bible schools and things like that. So I would like to see the church get more involved in uh, teaching some of the deep things of God as far as doctrine, uh, mm. theology, uh, 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 things like that. So in that sense, I think the church has has some ground to cover. See, I, I like the way you said that. that that's, that's very balanced, and that's just an honest approach because we, we can get very pessimistic about the oh, church, yeah. and there are a lot of people that are pointing fingers and, uh, and, and saying, you know, it's, it's, it's their fault. But just like you said, I mean— Samaritan's Purse, we see fly into, into New York City. We see them drop on all these natural disasters, and they are just in there. I mean, their people are getting sick, but they're just in there taking care of things. We see the church, like you said, flying into all these areas, and they really are doing a good job representing Christ there. Uh-huh. And at the same time, I'm, I'm with you 100%. We have gotten to the point now where we, we, 
I mean, you didn't say it this way, so it may be some more negative the way I'm saying it, but we literally want to spoon feed people encouragement instead of giving them some serious meat to chew on. So you're right. I mean, theology is just out the window. Instead, we're just waiting for people to get interested enough to go off to school and pay for a degree when really that's, that's the pastor's job to get God's word to God's people. So I am with you 100%. I think that that's the most balanced answer that I've ever heard to that question. So I thank you for that. You know, I love the way that you rephrased it because that's exactly the uh, sentiment that um, that I was trying to relay. So I thank you for that, brother. Oh yeah, yeah. So, wh- what do you think about this? Like, where does real change begin? I mean, if if we have an authority problem and and it's this meism, like you said, and we all see that and we all feel the weight of that because we're we're still sinners in need of grace every single day. You know, redeemed by Christ, but we still need His grace. So, where do we see real change as far as that goes? Well, I think um, you know, particularly like uh, well, to answer your question, um, it definitely has to start with each uh, individual. Mm. And then as we uh, receive the gospel into our our hearts, then we go out and uh, we affect change in in our circle of influence. And uh, things like what you're doing with your podcast, uh, getting the word out, uh, me uh, coming from homelessness, receiving uh, the gospel and allowing Christ to come into my heart and change my life and then have the desire uh, put within me to help those that's coming behind me. Uh, and then, like you said, those that are coming through the churches and then going on from churches, hearing the word of God, going into seminary and going into uh, biblical colleges. Uh, that's how we affect change in the world. Because like I mentioned before, uh, no, we're not living in a theocracy where uh, like uh, Moses, where he get the, the law from God and then go share it with the people. Now we have a government that God has instituted, but um we need people, uh, faithful uh, believers, uh, God-following, uh, Christ-honoring Christ- Christians to enter into realms of uh, government, realms of uh, education, uh, realm, the medical uh, uh, industry, and things like that. But it starts with the individual person and then us being led by Christ into these different fields and industries and changing the gospel. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a slow process, but I believe that's why... Uh, Christ hadn't come back yet because he's given us opportunity to raise up faithful believers and uh, people like yourself who uh, conduct these podcasts and spread the gospel uh, through the medium that you choose to use. And uh, as we raise up our families. So uh, it's like uh, in Matthew where the word says, uh, share the gospel in Judea, Samaria, and then all the world. What he's saying there is start with home, Judea. And then start with your circle of influence, Samaria, and then go out into the realm, get into government, get into the medical field, get into school, get into the legal field and share the gospel that way. And then we'll start seeing uh, things change uh, culturally and uh, we'll start seeing uh, Christ becoming preeminent and then have all things, as Paul say, all things being held together by him. So to answer your question. It start with us as individuals, and then what are we going to do with what God uh, is giving us through his son, Jesus Christ? Wow, that is so awesome. Well, Ron, I just thank you so much for your time tonight, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners how they can find out uh, more, get in contact with you, or find out more about Pacific Garden Missions. Well, my brother, I really uh, appreciate it, Jason, and uh, this has been a wonderful uh, 
uh, time. I feel like I can talk. I can talk to you for another hour. <laughs> but for your listeners and your viewers, um, they can find out more about our organization at www.pgm.org. Uh, just to mention, we also have a radio program which we have been producing since uh, the 1950s. It's called Unshackled, and it's about stories uh, like mine. People who come in. Um, from darkness into the light. So we've been producing a radio program for the past 70 years. It's called Unshackled. You can see that and hear that at www.unshackled.org. God has just blessed us also to start a television ministry. We have uh, PGM TV, uh, which we started in uh, 2014. Uh, 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 TLN uh, picked up our program and started uh, sharing it uh, throughout the country, throughout the world. Uh, you can see those programs. We just recorded our 232nd uh, television program last week, and you can see that at uh, on a, at our YouTube channel. So we have uh, our website, we have our Unshackled Radio program, we have our uh, PGM TV, and we also have a monthly newsletter that we produce that we can uh, you can write in or call in, and we can send our uh, your viewers or your guests uh, a monthly newsletter which will tell you what's going on with Pacific Guard Mission uh, on a daily basis. Wow, that is amazing. Well, Rhonda, thank you again. I'm going to be praying for you and for your part at Pacific Garden Mission and for your family. So thank you so much for coming on Master's Crib. Jason, I really appreciate it, man. And anytime, I would love to uh, uh, meet with you and talk to you, man. I really appreciate it.